This episode contains self-harm. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to Wingtorn. This is a story of a young man with an oath to avenge his parents, a young woman hiding secrets in her blood, and the intertwining fates of three on a mission to prevent all-out war between humans and the Fae. Because what fell before will rise again. This is a fantasy serial podcast, written and performed by Claire C. Marshall. Book 3, Arrest. Chapter 11, Riona. As the Imperial Guards realized their most valuable, most dangerous prisoner was loose on the streets of Drohoven, Riona dodged patrols and trudged through alleyway puddles as the light rain seeped into her clothing. She recalled the description of the scav from Olivin and matched it to the one from her memory of the fight in the woods, reached into the pouch in her belt, and retrieved a golden coin. The spell might not work, as the coin had doubtless touched many a hand, including hers, but she had to try. If she could track him down, perhaps he would lead her to Ricklar de Dianel and much-needed evidence to bring justice to Kentina's tragic murder. She drew deeply from the sleeping spirit mother and calmed the wild magic with gentle rain, cupping the coin and focusing on the bandit who had savagely wished their deaths. If it was a fight he wanted, he would get it from Riona, and next time she wouldn't hold back. The scent of roses, enhanced by the rain, filled the narrow alleyway as she worked the spell. The coin flashed hotly and then steadily began to pulse like a heartbeat. Turning in every direction, she determined the signal, although dim, was strongest in the northern part of Drohoven. Would the Skav have hidden at another inn? Why wouldn't he return to the woods with his companions? The sounds of dogs barking and splattering puddles streets away brought Riona's attention back to the present. Of course, Choate had hounds to chase her down, as if she was one of the ducks they hunted in the marsh. Yet it was the hurried, frantic footsteps alone on the cobblestone that most intrigued her. She felt him, though she didn't want to believe her magical senses. She couldn't trust her own mind right now. Pressing against the bricks, she waited clutching the coin tightly in her palm as the halting steps slowed on the adjoining street. Re, re, called Connor's voice. Cautiously, she emerged from the alleyway. Relief washed over him as he squatted, scrubbed his face and ears, and flung himself upright once more with a wide grin. Thank the gods you're safe. You're out here. I, I thought I sensed you. 
I didn't know if it was real, but when I escaped, I, I followed my gut, and... He paused and squinted at the spherical draclage hanging from her belt. What is that? Is that a... He blanched. A drac box? Or how would you say it? A draclodois? And you did something else. She sighed, not wanting to play this game with him, and was distracted by the scent of his magic surrounding his head. A spell. A strong one he'd put on himself that clouded his mind, still allowing him to think and speak clearly, though his perception was severely altered. It would dissolve shortly, yet the intensity of the magic concerned her. He was stronger than she had previously given him credit. What did you do? Apparently, that was a sore topic. He turned away physically and kept his curious gaze on the draclage. We have to move. He nearly went in the direction from where she'd come, and she hastily tugged him down a different alleyway, heading into the northern part of the city. The smell of Meinecker's Marsh just outside of Drohoven intensified with the rain. While Riona couldn't see it, she could hear the rushing tributary, the Havenmanger, that joined with the Neverwater and bordered the marsh. Because of the confluence, the ground around this part of Drohoven remained soft and squished under their boots as they hurried in the night. The streets coiled tightly around the natural flow of the river to accommodate the view. Buildings soared above them, held up by sturdy, stone stilts. The outskirts of northern Drohoven had been built on supports and stilts to weather the soft soil. Some of the stilts had been built on top of already existing, older buildings, mostly businesses and other administrative buildings made from clay bricks. On top of all that still, the domes, built decades ago to protect the buildings from air raids. She traced their ominous shadows with anxious eyes. Remnants of the war meticulously maintained. As they made their way between the structures, trying to stay off the main streets as much as possible, Connor resisted her urge to lead them. He would tug on her to stop as he agonized over every direction, rubbing his ears at every small sound that Riona found natural and inconsequential. He had cast that spell without realizing how long it would last, or accepting the consequences of having acute hearing. The dogs and the Imperials were still some distance away, Putting one foot in front of the other, they squeezed down an extremely narrow, muddy alley littered with puddles. Riona wiped her face and scraped her fingers along the bricks, occasionally feeling for Connor's hand to ensure he was still with her, even though she could see his form in front of her, trudging nervously through the muck. Were you on your way to rescue me? he asked suddenly, with a twinge of hope in his voice. Not exactly, she admitted. You would have been safe in Drohoven's jail, and... She halted, listening for patrols. 
Choate seemed uneager to send for a Tower Inquisitor. I was going after the Scav. So that's what you cast. I thought I sensed something. A tracking spell? What did you cast it on? Connor asked, fascinated. That's a level six spell, right? Riona failed to hide her smug frustration. According to the tower. Is the tower wrong? No, just limited. What does that mean? I don't have time to explain magical theory to you. We have to lose the Imperials and find that scav. We just need to be out of this city before they catch us. Why do we have to find anyone? Simmering, she yanked on his wrist, urging him to stop. I knew the man who was killed. He was an old contact of ours. A friend. Connor leaned back against the bricks and turned his head towards her. She couldn't see his face, only the shadow of his hair and the outline of his form, though she sensed the change in him, the hesitation, the interest, the fear. Sorry, he said quietly. I noticed his accent when we were in the pub. Did my parents know him too? She didn't answer. Up ahead was a street. No patrols, though the Imperials were closing in behind. Cross here. Go down that alleyway in front of you. That's not an opening between buildings. That's a beam. Then where's the next alley? Just over there. He pointed east, she thought. Good. Let's go, then. The coin pulsed warmly in her palm. They were heading in the right direction. Maybe we'll live through this. How can I expect to live when you don't even tell me what you're doing right now? You don't need to know everything. Some things it's just easier if you follow my lead. All right? No, not all right. You're... She pulled him towards what looked like a beam but became an opening before her and gestured for him to be silent as they scurried like mice through the cramped alleyway. This time, the ground gave way like thickened cream and Riona sank into it, nearly losing a boot. She recovered briskly and reached the end of the alleyway where Connor thrusted out his hand in warning. The buildings were behind them now. There wasn't any tree cover here, just reeds and grass growing along the riverbank and more grass growing in patches from the marsh itself. The ground, shaped by humans in times past, slid downward into the expanse of the wilderness. The river rushed by in close proximity. The marsh, flooded by the rain and the river overflow, lay before them now. In the distance, Choate showed it another command to her relentless followers. Riona scowled at Connor. Whatever it is you did, they're furious and conscious, and they're going to catch us. Yes, you've managed to blunder through because of sheer luck. She hissed at him before he could muster a retort. 
But you can't rely on wild magic to survive. What am I supposed to do? Wait for you to teach me how to control my magic? Wait until we get to the tower so they can teach me magic? Is that how you learn magic? By waiting until someone taught you? I... No. This isn't about me. Choate's voice grew distant to Riona. They had gone west, for now. Determined to get them both out of this awful city, Riona made her way along the bank, two hands in front of her, relying on everything but her sight to find a road, a boardwalk, anything other than the mud. Instead, splorsh. Her boot sunk into the grassy, soft ground, and unable to lift it, she lost her balance and fell face-first into the silty, watery muck. Her face submerged into the thick of it. She struggled to right herself against the slippery grass and retain her grip on the coin containing her spell. A pair of hands grabbed her by the neck, and she thrashed her wings and body violently against him. Her vivid memories played before her. She was back on that day, when she failed, because she wasn't enough. He will never understand what you have sacrificed for him. Your beauty would have been unmatched, your power unsurpassed. Riona, stop! It's just me! You're going to attract the guards! But Connor's voice was a distant sound, like the river beside them. She inhaled tentatively and felt transported, light as if she were flying once more. Returned to a different time when the boy is a means to an end. His weaker will can be molded in your grass. The thoughts. She's so strong. She was upright now on solid ground. Wood. Planks. A boardwalk freshly laid, smelling of sawdust. Her boot. Present beside her foot. She slipped into it. So little time and strength to remain. She whipped aside her now-drenched cloak and scratched at her bare arms with her fingernails over and over and over. Whoa, 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 stop that! Connor grabbed her wrists forcefully as his confusion invaded her, just like the thoughts she was trying to escape. She wrenched away, hunching herself, wet and exhausted, aching to be free of this terrible curse. You don't know. I don't know. You don't know. It's my mother, Riona spat. When my blood boils, when I am weak, the blood beckons her in. So when I release it, she held out her scratched arms. It was foolish to explain. She didn't have to see his face to have her fears confirmed. She turned away. He could never understand. 
Riona, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know you felt like that. She felt the heat of his hand hovering near her, but he seemed to think better of it. Her shoulders slumped, and she played with her cloak strings as she ran her boots along the tips of the grass, caressing the boardwalk. I don't know why she keeps trying. It's not all the time. She began traversing the planks with careful, mindful steps, knowing she could fall into the marsh at any time. Do you think, maybe... He began cautiously, considerately, as he followed her at a distance. Maybe there's another solution, other than hurting yourself? Of course I've thought about it, she replied testily. Nothing I've tried works. Right, well, I'll think of something, I promise. I don't want you to think of something, she said tiredly. I just wanted you to know. Oh, he sat with that unsuccessfully. But maybe if I... No, Connor, it's not your responsibility to fix me. Someday I'll confront my mother when we find her. She may be behind Ricklar's killing spree. Right now you can help me by just being here. She scrubbed her face with her hands and waited for the inevitable interjection with advice he'd read in some book or a rambling idea presented as a concrete plan or the insistence that perhaps he did know what he was talking about. Nothing. Only the nighttime sounds of the marsh, the roaring river, and the now far-off shouts of the Imperial Guards in Drohoven. Thank you for telling me, he said, finally. She nodded, unable to meet his eye. She could tell him no more. Instead, she opened her palm to reveal the coin. Let's find the scav. You're listening to Wingtorn. Today's episode is brought to you by Stars in Her Eyes, book one of the Sparkstone Saga. Superpowered teens fight a secret alien invasion in Alberta, Canada, in this fast-paced adventure by author Claire C. Marshall. Read the prologue in the first three chapters for free at sparkstonesaga.com. That's sparkstonesaga.com. And now... Wingtorn continues. Riona tripped a few times on the boardwalk that ran alongside the Havenminger River as they followed the tracking spell, pulsing more quickly and warmly in her hand. They were close, though aside from the insects and the smattering of waterfowl, Riona neither heard nor sensed anyone in the marsh. Uh, there's, there's something there, in the grasses. I think he's dead. That complicated matters. She opened her palm. The coin scorched her hand. 
Job done, she replaced it back in her pouch and rubbed the heat into her skin. Reluctant to spend another minute in the wet, she slowly hiked up her dress anyway. Is it far? You stay, I'll go. I can lift him with magic. You should save your strength. I'm fine, she said under her breath, though she was relieved as Connor tested the depth of the water with his boots and trudged cautiously toward the body. The corpse lay face down in the water. With some effort, Connor turned the body on its side, and when he failed to identify him, cast his colored light spell. It lit the body eerily in reds and oranges, and surprised, Connor recoiled. The body kerplopped onto its back again. This is, this is the man I saw coming out of the islander's room, but he drowned? Shielding her eyes from the blur of Connor's spell, she used the poor light to inspect the body further from the boardwalk. Even though his corpse had been floating in the marsh, his right hand still bore the magical residue of the draclage. The coating on his hands was lighter, and the points of contact were only his fingertips. He had not held the draclage for long, or as recently as Kentina. Poison, like Kentina, she said softly, her hand hovering over the dangerous item hanging from her belt. I have a theory. But the scab had a bloody knife, Connor started, and then seemed to regret it as she fixed him with an impatient stare. Sorry, you were saying... Riona gestured to her belt. You are right. This is a draclage, or a drac box, as the Drazanians call it. This one was made by Riklar de Dianel. Connor bristled at the name. You're sure? Yes. I think Riklar gave this scav the draclage to give to Kentana. Kentana could rarely resist an artifact. The scav wouldn't have known this meant his death as well. But what game was Cantona playing with the scavs? Why would he agree to see them, knowing everything they've done to us? While Connor's lights dimmed, his eyes widened as he stepped out of the water and back onto the boardwalk. The Imperials said the Islander, you said his name was Cantona? was seen with the scarred man. The scav gave him a gift. He considered the body again. So Ricklar created the draclage, gave it to the scav, and the scav befriended Cantina and passed the draclage along to the islander. All because he was your contact? Your friend? Riona nodded and turned away. Kentina had always been so strategic and methodical about who he dealt with, to be killed in such a heinous way. Ricklar had beaten Kentina at his own game by going against his nature. Even Riona had been sure that Ricklar would never associate with humans to achieve his ends. Her underestimation of him had come at a high cost. The rain had stopped. 
A sharp wind picked up suddenly, blowing the scent of the dead to Riona. The fasoche from the jaclage wafted into her nose as well, and she carefully adjusted the cloth, keeping it intact to ensure it was closed. It's a warning to me and Fingal. We have to press on to the capital. There's no more time to waste. She started down the boardwalk, newly determined. She could rest and restore herself later. No, wait, Riona, what about Olivan? You want to go back for him? He's too dangerous to travel with us. Connor let out a slow breath and said nothing, knowing she was right. Riona thought she heard wings fluttering above, but when she looked, she saw only the dark depths of the pitchy night. She turned to face Connor, continuing, They'll give him a good commission, a life. That's safety for him. The two of us can manage on our own far better than if we had to drag him along. That's a shame, said a dark, melodious voice. Like ice-cold water, she felt them. One moment, it had just been her and Connor and the open sky. The next, the fey militia emerged from the blurry darkness of the night and settled in the marsh and on the boardwalk, surrounding them completely, conjuring fire to their torches, lighting their faces like mischievous spirits. One was larger than the rest. His wings menacingly unfurled as he held up a squirming human form by the scruff of his tunic. The fae descended from the sky and drifted down the boardwalk towards them, barefoot, wearing full golden armor, a soldier in magnificent flight. The firelight caught the large fae's eyes and they seemed to erupt into flames. Riona looked to Connor and saw the young man reliving his parents' deaths all over again. Riona knew the fae too, for his scent was in the wind, even now. Criona Ricklar, she said softly. Thank you for listening to Wingtorn. This episode was written, performed, and produced by the author, Claire C. Marshall. The Wingtorn theme music was composed by Cloud Road Music. An additional music is by Irene Chan. For sponsorship or advertising inquiries, or to learn more about my books, please visit wingtorn.com. <laughs>